Hey, good morning, everyone. We're really glad that you're choosing to join us here, whether you're part of the small group that's distanced here at 2828 or whether you're watching online. Welcome. Welcome. We know a lot of you are watching from very far away places. Want to give a call out to Kenya, Bobby Neptune, watching from Africa and the different people that watch in the different places. We're really glad you're here. I really want to encourage you to participate as well by typing in comments along with the feed, um, interacting with the material and the, and the things as we go through there, singing along, and also get your communion elements ready so we'll all take communion together even though we're distanced. So thank you for being here this morning. Well, once upon a time, now, before you think this is a fairy tale like Snow White or Frozen or Die Hard, uh, know that it's more true than any of those stories. Not, not that they're bad stories. So again, once upon a time, in a time that was not time as we think of time, but a time that was both then and always, love was talking to love while love was listening in, even though love was one. You see, love is, is kind of like a dance. Also, all the parts of the dance, the leading, the following, and the providing of the music, Love could do that. Love could speak and listen and be what was spoken of and heard all at the same time. And at this particular time, love said to love while love was listening, let's do something special. I mean, really special. Let's create beings in our image, living, breathing, visible beings, carrying in them the very image of who we are. They will be able to speak and to listen and to be what is spoken and heard. They will be able to lead and follow and make the music of the dance. Love didn't have to give any reason for creating these someones in their image because that's simply what love does. Love creates. And since like creates after like, all that love creates is good. The beings love created were good, in fact. In fact, when love saw the beings created in the image of love, love said, not just it's good, but it's very good. And love took these beings. Oh, okay, we might as well go ahead and tell you here just who these special beings were made in the image of love. They were our great, 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 10,000 more greats grandparents. And love made a home for them, a really, really good home for them. And love breathed life into them and set them up with all good things and everything they needed and gave them very special things to do and to care for and create. Love invited them to abide in love. And they did and wow, was it ever good. For a very long time, it was good. And love continued to provide everything these image bearers, everything for these image bearers, and delight in what love had created. Because again, this is what love does. Love creates good and beautiful and true things, and then delights in their goodness, in their beauty, and in their truth. But then something happened. Now, exactly what happened 
and who all was involved is something our family has been debating ever since it happened way back long ago. Some say it was great-grandpa's fault. Others say, no, it was definitely great-grandma's fault. Still, others point their fingers to a certain snaky-like figure. Basically, we've been arguing over this for ages, and sometimes we get so mad arguing, we end up storming off from the family picnic and making snarky posts about certain family members on our Instabook pages. Not fun at all. But even though we might argue about the exact details of how it happened, it's pretty obvious what happened as a result. First, love was heartbroken. Love knew when love created us that it was going to be risky. You see, for something to carry, to really carry the image of love, it has to be free to create and choose. And man, when choice true choice is involved. There's always the danger of choosing wrongly. Now I'm going to stop here the storytelling. Or, or, or better, I'm going to tell the story in a different way. Today I'm going to tell you the bad news. The really bad news that resulted from these really poor choices. But in a way, I don't have to because we all know it in our bones. We all experience it, sometimes subtly, like a whisper, sometimes like a flood. And this is also what the world is also telling us, that there's something wrong, that we're wrong. And of course, they're telling us this while they're trying to sell us something that is going to fix that thing that is wrong. Of course, it never does. I remember years ago as a youth speaker, a group of Mennonite junior high kids had come down from Canada to build a home in Mexico. And the, the thing to talk about that night was, was sin, was to somehow convince them, these 12 and 13 year old Mennonite kids from the middle of Canada who were coming down to build a house in Mexico, that they were sinful. They needed Jesus. And I looked out and I saw these kids and I looked in their eyes and I heard the Spirit speak just saying, they know. They know already the world is broken. They know already about sin. Not, not really the sin they've done, but the sin that have been done to them. We know. We know in our bones that we're broken that we're hurt, that things are messed up. The problem is, even though we're aware of the problem, we get really confused about what the problem actually is, how bad it actually is, and what in the world we're supposed to do about it. You see, the problem is rooted in the very thing that makes us so very special, the way we were created in the image of love, the very image of God. And the problem is what we call sin, but what is it? What is sin? Well, some people say it's a rule violation. And to be sure, sin breaks rules. But that's more a result of sin, not the cause of it. 
Some people say it's because we're horribly broken from birth and we can't do anything but be broken. And again, this is more a result than a cause. Some people say it's because we lack the proper affections or intellect or emotions. We love what is bad and we hate what is good. Agreed. But isn't that also the result of something else? Some people say it's simply because our hearts have gone cold, turned to stone. And stony hearts are surely a problem. But even they result of something deeper. What is that thing? What is this sin? Well, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He says, sin is a denial of dependence on God and interdependence among neighbors. A refusal to be a people of God. In other words, to properly bear God's image. And a counter-insistence that the individual ego be treated as something godlike. You see, our rebellion is a failure to abide in the deep love of God and in loving relationships with ourselves and with others, even with all of creation. This results in two tragic postures that result in the, in the list of things we just l- listed. It, it results in the gross violation of God's standards in brokenness and disordered affections and in dead hearts. These two postures are rooted in this rebellion. The denial of dependence on God and the insistence on idolatry. Because what else is idolatry other than loving ourselves and loving other things in a way that only God deserves? What else is idolatry than putting our trust, our our affections, our emotions, our hope in things other than God? Denying the image that we bear. These two postures that I'm talking about are abdication and usurpation. Or to put it another way, we reject responsibility for the things God gave us responsibility for, and we take responsibility for things that only belong to God. We continually not only distort our own image, but also the image of God. And we're constantly living with the fruit of this rebellion. Well, N.T. Wright goes into this in length in his book, The Day the Revolution Began, which is a wonderful book, but it's pretty intimidating. You can listen to it and read it. But he says this. He says, the human problem is not so much sin, and he puts quotes around it, seen as the breaking of moral codes, though that, to be sure, is part of it. Just as the headache and blurry vision really were part of the medical problem. But rather, idolatry, And the distortion of genuine humanness it produces is the problem. These two mistakes go together, reinforcing the basic heaven and earth dualism that continues to haunt Western theology. Y'all, when we worship, and I put the y'all in there, and he right didn't because he's British. Y'all, when we worship and serve forces within the creation, the creation for which we're supposed to be responsible, we hand over our power to other forces, only too happy to usurp this position. We humans have thus, by abrogating our own vocation, handed over power and authority to non-divine and non-human forces, which have then run rampant, spoiling human lives, ravaging the beautiful creation, 
and doing their best to turn God's world into a hell. The problem is not just that humans have misbehaved and need punishing. The problem is that their idolatry, coming to expression in sin, has resulted in slavery for themselves and for the whole of creation. That's bad news, y'all. Now, while that may sound like a rather academic explanation, let me give you a very practical example of something that's on the forefront of our society right now. Racism. As a church, we've been going through a study led by Arabon Ministries, David Bailey, and I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to get a handle, a language, a perspective on what we're going through in a way that's very accessible, very understanding, non-condemning. But what we see now in our cities, our schools, our churches, and our streets is not just a matter of law and order. It's not a matter of political party. It's not a matter of lack of education or resources or anything. It is the catastrophic consequences of our rebellion, of our abdication and usurpation, of our failure to live into and recognize in others the very image of God that we all bear. Now look, order might be restored by force of law, but not harmony, not beauty, not justice, not flourishing, not life. We are all image bearers. And when we segregate, and subjugate and desecrate any single fellow image bearer or group of image bearers. We invite death among us all. This is why the people of this church, Grace Church, have to do more than wring our hands and feel sorry for the things that are happening. But we have to make tangible choices to be a place and a people that practices the restorative principles of the kingdom of God for all people. We have to actively prioritize, seek out, and organize in a way that fully includes as much of the diversity of God's people as possible. This means leaning into life with those whom we once considered our enemies. To share the suffering of the persecuted, the oppressed, and the taken advantage of. To willingly lay down our own privileges and powers and positions so that others can share in that. Because when we do that, we are recognizing the image of God in others. And we are taking responsibility for that which we have been given. And letting God take care of that which God has responsibility for. We have to keep at the forefront of our active gospel imaginations the story of what love has created. And it's not just a story, y'all. It's the foundation of everything. We have to keep it at the forefront of our imagination that the story of what love has created and how it is good and true and beautiful. 
this is not an easy task. In fact, all of them are impossible without the miraculous presence of God among us. But when we learn to accept responsibility as we should, as image bearers of God, and let go of the things that only God can do, we can work with hope. We can work in faith. Why talk about the bad news right now? It seems like piling on a little bit. To talk about the bad news in 2020, right? Like, haven't we got enough of that already? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a very... There's a very simple reason why. It's because until we understand the bad news, the real bad news, the depth of it, the meaning of it, and our place in it, the good news doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work. It's not truly good news. You see, we can can dive to the dregs of the bad news. We can look at the, the bleakness of our brokenness, sobered, with clear eyes because of the hope of what the good news offers. Now we're going to talk about that next week, so we're going to leave you hanging here a little bit this week. But understanding the good news starts with understanding the bad news. And that's why we have to look at the wholeness of it, as we were doing in our teaching meeting discussion this week. Laura mentioned, if we focus on just one part, we miss all of it. And that's why when we just look at the bad news, it's just breaking rules or, or disordered affections or, or things isolated, while those are all parts of it, we have to look at the whole of it and see and accept the responsibility for all of it. And if that wasn't bad news enough, let me just put this cherry on top. No matter how hard we try, it is not going to get better. Unless... Unless. But that's what we're going to talk about next week. In the meantime, know this. There is nothing broken that cannot be restored. Nothing dead that cannot be resurrected. Nothing stolen that cannot be replaced. Nothing tainted that cannot be made clean. And in this this season of where all the news seems to be bad, it may seem the most natural thing to deny our culpability in it, to deny our responsibility for it, to other it, to make it someone else's problem. Those people over there, that political party over there, that country over there, those people there, that's not going to get us anywhere, y'all. That's not We have to take responsibility for that which we're responsible. So I'd like to invite you now. I'm going to pray a prayer of confession. I want to invite you to pray this with me as we prepare to go to the table this morning. It'll be posted there in the comments on on the live feed. Abba, we are all guilty and none of us can fix what is broken. Broken in us and broken by us. We have failed to live as you have created us to live. As you long for us to live with you and with each other. 
we have broken every rule, loved what is evil, hated what is good, and let our hearts turn to stone. We have given over our rightful responsibilities to vain things and evil forces and taken over rights and responsibility that only belong to you. For all these things we repent and ask for mercy that you would restore us by your grace and your love. That's the hope in which we take communion now, reflect, and worship. I'm going to invite you also to worship by giving, by sharing. We do this as worship as sign and symbol that all of us have something to give and none of us is without need. All of us need to receive. So worship is giving and receiving without expectation. It's also reflecting now. What do you need to act on? What did you hear this morning? What did you hear in this message or in these songs that you need to take responsibility and act on? Write that down. Tell someone you're with. And then finally, take the elements. This tangible sign of God with us, never abandoning, never forsaking, giving, this table where everyone is welcome, no matter race, gender, ability, disability, whatever it is, everyone is welcome at this table. God gave himself for us by breaking the bread and saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Likewise, taking the cup, pouring the wine, saying, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. So take and eat these things. Share what you have, receive what you need and act on what you've been given. And thank you for worshiping with us this morning. And now, our benediction. Grace Church, go now in the hope of the greatness of God's love for us, that even though we acknowledge the depth of our sin, we confess that God's redemption and restoration is greater, that what was created in love will be restored in goodness, beauty, and truth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Go with grace.